There is a new prayer app called Hallow that's getting a lot of attention online. Prayer is a good thing, right? Absolutely, but only if we follow the biblical directives concerning how to approach our Heavenly Father. Let's focus on this important subject on this episode of Revealing the True Light. There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. I've been seeing a lot of ads on Facebook and on YouTube and different places on the internet concerning a new prayer app called Hallow that's getting a lot of attention. And I think we need to focus on what it really offers to people to find out if the prayer methods and the prayer approaches are really in line with the Word of God. Let me start by defining the word hallow. It actually means to make holy, to sanctify, or to consecrate. It can also mean to honor as holy or to recognize as sacred, to venerate something, to show it great respect. In fact, in Old English, the Lord's Prayer begins with that word, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so basically that means your name is holy. It's to be respected, to be reverenced, to be venerated. So the intention of those who created the Hallow app, I'm sure, is to present something holy to God's people in order to edify them and help them on their spiritual journey. I believe it's a wonderful thing to see a sincere desire in anyone to make this world a better place and to bring God and people together. So that intention is certainly most likely a very, very pure one, and I honor them for that. However, I have inspected what the Hallow app offers, and I'd like to bring some light to the presentation that is given online and compare that presentation to the biblical revelation of what prayer should be. And let's find out if it's something that God would approve of. Actually, I think there are four very wrong approaches highlighted on that app. Number one, the first wrong approach on the Hallow app is the emphasis on praying to the saints. They word it a little bit differently. They call it praying with the saints, which is kind of a new slant. But for many years, uh, the Catholic Church has advocated praying to the saints, emphasizing that in that vernacular, that religious vernacular, prayer simply means conversation, and prayer is completely different from worship. No Roman Catholic would ever dare worship anything or anyone but God, but they do believe in the validity of praying to the saints. Now, on the Hallow app, this is a quote from the app. It says, 
You can call on the saints whenever you need support in something you're struggling with or anytime you're looking for a friend in prayer. And it's not talking about calling on someone who's alive in this world. It's talking about approaching someone recognized as a saint who is, of course, in a heavenly world. Unknown to a lot of people, the first time a saint was actually canonized by the Catholic Church was in the year 993 AD. And then after that, more saints were canonized, and this practice of praying to the saints began to evolve. But it was never a part of the belief system of the early church. Hallow even has a patron saint, Teresa of Avila, and a patron saint is someone you are supposed to have a special relationship with on a lifelong basis. Uh, I know I used to have a patron saint. I was raised Catholic. I went through the sacraments. I was sprinkled as a child. I went through Holy Communion when I was about seven. I went through Confirmation when I was about 11. So I I understand from the inside what that worldview is like. And I met wonderful people who loved God and loved people and were really good role models as far as character is concerned. And when I was raised Catholic, I was provided with a foundation of very important beliefs in things like the virgin birth of Jesus, his sinless life, his crucifixion for the sins of humanity, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven. All of these are extremely important truths, and I'm eternally grateful to the nuns and priests that helped me understand those things at an early age and helped form my belief system at that time. But when I went through confirmation, I was given a new name. That's traditional in Catholicism. My full name technically is Michael Richard Christopher Shreve because I took the name Christopher as my patron saint. And from that point forward, I prayed to St. Christopher, who's supposed to be a saint that especially protects you when you're traveling. And uh, that's because of a story that goes along with the history of who he was, which I won't go into now. However, after I prayed to him for several years, some articles were released that questioned whether or not Christopher even ever existed. And my prayers went up in smoke. I thought from now on, I'm going to the head man. I'm going to God himself. But let me read a definition of what a patron saint is. A patron saint or patroness saint, a patron hallow or heavenly protector is a saint who in Catholicism, Lutheranism, Anglicanism, Eastern Orthodoxy, or Oriental Orthodoxy is regarded as a heavenly advocate of a nation, a place, a craft, an activity, a class, a clan, or a family, or an individual person. For instance, here's a good example. St. Matthew is supposed to be a patron saint for bankers and tax collectors. Makes sense, right? Because he was a tax collector when the Lord called him and he came out of that lifestyle. Again, some quotes from the Hello app. It says, talk to the saint as if 
you would talk as you would talk to a friend. And then it gave an example. It said, for instance, when we lose something, we can call on St. Anthony, who is the patron saint of lost things, to find it. Really, if you lose something, would you call on St. Anthony? What, what if a hundred people around the world at the same time lost something and called on St. Anthony? He'd have to be a hundred different places at once. Or maybe a 1,000 people or 10,000 people. So he'd have to be omnipresent and he'd have to be omniscient in order to process 10,000 conversations at once. So I don't see that as even being possible if someone existed in a heavenly state. Those are attributes that belong only to God. Only God is omniscient, all-knowing, and able to communicate not just with tens of thousands, but millions and even billions of people simultaneously. And only God can be in all those different places at the same time. Furthermore, the Bible actually prohibits us from such a practice. See, the saints may have been, quote-unquote, saintly people when they lived. Maybe they were very devoted very consecrated individuals. However, is there any place in the Bible that says you can communicate with the dead, whether they're wicked or righteous? Absolutely not. In fact, the Bible speaks against it. In Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 13, listen to this passage of Scripture, a very important one. When you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. And then God lists some things we're not really even dealing with on this podcast, on this particular episode. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes a son or daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, one who conjures spells, here it is now, or a medium, a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. A medium is someone who claims to be able to communicate with those who have passed on to the next world. Mm. God said, all those who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you you shall be blameless before the Lord your God. You may say, but, but that's a, an occult practice. This is different. This is prayer, but it's not condoned in the Bible. It's not allowed whatsoever. In fact, Saul got into deep trouble with God when he tried to call on Samuel. And actually, he died the next day in battle, and part of it was because of his transgression in that area. So think about it. There's 1.3 billion Catholics in the world. Almost every one of them who is a practicing Catholic calls on Mary, and we're going to get into that in just a little bit. All right, let's go to the next point. Oh, and I should include that in Catholicism, uh, they seem to they seem to emphasize that those who have reached a high degree of piety who have proven themselves to be walking in kind of a supernatural walk with God are to be revealed, revered as saints, but not your ordinary believer. However, in the Bible, all believers are referred to as saints. Quite often, 
Paul would address a church like to the church at Philippi or to the church at Thessalonica. He would say to the saints who are in Christ Jesus. The word saint simply means three things, to be cleansed from the defilement of sin, to be separated from the world and consecrated to God. A saint is someone who has been sanctified. And that word sanctified has a triune meaning. Now let's get into the emphasis on Mary, on the hallow app. Mary is extremely emphasized on that app. In fact, the rosary is emphasized. Uh, And of course, if you're unfamiliar with the rosary, it's a string of beads and it has... Uh, 53 beads where as you hold the bead, you're supposed to repeat the Hail Mary prayer. And for you that are unfamiliar, I'll go ahead and share it with you. It goes like this. I prayed it 10,000 times, uh, uh, I don't know, 10,000, 10,000 times, 20,000 times when I was a young Catholic, if not much, much more. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us sinners. Sinners. Should we really refer to ourselves as sinners? Well, technically we were all sinners prior to coming to the Lord, but we're sinners saved by grace. And now, The Bible uh, gives us a new status altogether. We are referred to as saints, not as sinners. In fact, the Bible doesn't speak very well of sinners. Psalm 1.5 says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. That's kind of like someone being at an AA meeting and standing up and saying, I am an alcoholic or I am a drug addict. That's counterproductive. You don't want to keep affirming your bondage to some uh, particular habit like that. It's okay to say, I used to be an addict, I used to be an alcoholic, but now I'm delivered and I'm living a clean life. But you're just throwing yourself back in the pit by claiming that addiction on an ongoing basis. And And the same thing with claiming the status of being a sinner. But the other thing I want to emphasize is you're asking Mary to pray for you now and at the hour of your death. Well, 1.4 billion or 1.3 billion Catholics in the world, and most of them pray a prayer to Mary at least every day or at least once a week. But just suppose... Only 10% did it in one day. That's 130 million. And if you do the math and divide it by the amount of minutes in a day, 1,440, you'll find out that every single minute, over 90,000 people are asking Mary to pray for them. Once again, only God can be that many places at once. And besides, she's referred to as the Virgin Mary. And in 553 AD, she was formally declared to be ever-virgin, meaning before, during, and after the birth of Jesus, she remained a virgin. But that's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, when the angel Gabriel visited Joseph and told him what had happened, how 
she had conceived of the Holy Spirit, the Bible said he did not know her until after she'd given birth to her firstborn son, implying that after that he did know her, which is a biblical way of describing the sexual union between a man and a woman in marriage. In fact, uh, it starts with Adam and Eve. Adam knew Eve, and she brought forth her firstborn son. And so it's very clear, too, all through the Gospels, that Jesus had brothers and sisters, reference after reference. And I could go more deeply into that. But Mary is lifted to a place of reverential awe, far beyond what God would expect. And to pray the rosary is a transgression of Jesus's command in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. He said, use not vain repetitions like the heathen do. What if millions of people were saying the same prayer with the same words thousands of times all over the world, week after week after week, month after month, if I was Mary, I'd say, I'm going to scream if I hear that one more time, if that was possible. Can you imagine? How does repetitious prayer, how does it, how does it, uh, how can I say this? How does God feel about repetitious prayer? Does it, sound authentic to him? Does it sound real to him? Or is it memorized? Is it practiced? Is it just um, an echo over and over again of the same words? Is that how you hold conversation with a fellow human being? Do you just say the same thing over and over? If you want the garbage taken out to the road, do you come in, kneel before your husband, and in a monotone voice, say, please take out the garbage a thousand times, and then finally you coerce him into doing it? Of course not. Conversation among human beings is a free flow of ideas creatively, and you should talk to God that way and certainly not talk to the saints or to Mary that way because they can't hear you. There's no communication between this world and those who have gone on to the next. Also, number three, the third thing I find wrong with the Hallow app is praying to Michael the archangel is even emphasized. Is there any place in the Bible that says you can pray to an angel? Absolutely not. In fact, Colossians 2.18 warns us, let no man beguile you of your reward and a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Now, I'm sure anyone who would try to pray to St. Michael the Archangel would say, well, I'm not worshiping him. But it is giving Michael an undue amount of reverence in approaching an angel that way. And there's no record in the Bible that it's even possible to initiate conversations with angels. Any biblical record of an angel making an appearance, the angel, by the command of God, initiates a conversation with some human being. But you and I can't break through the veil at will and make that kind of connection. It's not allowed, and it's not acceptable to God. Number four, the fourth thing I find wrong with the Hallow app is it 
promotes the idea of contemplative prayer and imaginative prayer. I have an article on thetruelight.net, and the title of the article is this, Is Contemplative Prayer a Legitimate Approach to God? I don't want to take the time to go into all the details now that I go into in that article, and I would urge you, if you're interested, now, you may say, uh, what's wrong with contemplative prayer? What's wrong with contemplation of the things of God? Well, if you're interested, go to the article and dig in deep. But one of the main proponents of contemplative prayer, at least in this era, was Thomas Merton, a Catholic monk. And he had a very peculiar worldview. In fact, I've quoted him in the article. He said he saw no contradiction between Buddhism and Christianity. Wait a second. Buddhism does not acknowledge a creator God, and Christianity does. Buddhism does not acknowledge that human beings have a soul, and Christianity does. There's lots of con- contradictions between Buddhism and Christianity. And he also said, we must teach the people that they are already in union with God, which is a new age concept that you're already one with God. You don't need to, you don't need to go to the cross to be cleansed of your sin and for the Spirit of God to enter into. You're already in union with God. You just have to realize it and acknowledge it. And uh, and so he had some very uh, very off base teachings. And he was one of the main proponents of contemplative prayer. Contemplative prayer often involves repetitious prayer words similar to a mantra. Instead of using a Sanskrit word out of Hinduism, you use a biblical word, but it's still the same concept, the same approach. And contemplative prayer is all about, quote-unquote, entering the silence. And that's not the way we approach God according to the Bible. The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. When I went on the hollow app, I also encountered breath meditation. I thought, what's that doing here? Uh, Because breath meditation is right out of yoga. And in the guided meditation section, it talked about imagining yourself. In fact, let me just read what I found. Imagine yourself sitting on a bench beside a slow-moving stream. As you wait for God, listen to the quiet hum of the water and the whisper of the wind through the trees. Whenever a distracting thought comes to mind, acknowledge it, then let it float away in the water. Imagine God sitting next to you. Rest next to him for the next few moments. Well, just because you imagine God somewhere doesn't mean he's automatically obliged to be there. Imaginative prayer, creative visualization, is not a correct approach to God. Now, let me end by saying this. Three of the main individuals that are being used to promote the Hallow app are Jim Caviezel, Jonathan Rumi, and also Mark Wahlberg. And I want to say this, that these are people I have respect for in several ways. Jim Caviezel, I think, did an amazing, amazing portrayal of Jesus in the Passion of the Christ. 
that movie gripped my heart in a way a portrayal of the crucifixion never has and probably never will. And I think he's an amazing man of God with the with the new movie that came out, Sound of Freedom, addressing the subject of human trafficking. So much has been accomplished through that. I just applaud his efforts to make this world a better world. And then Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus in The Chosen, even though I have some very serious questions about certain things associated with The Chosen, there are certain scenes that Jonathan Rumi has played like the conversation with Nicodemus about being born again or the woman at the well that is that are some of the most heart-touching presentations that just have the power to bring home to you what Jesus was probably like. And I respect Jonathan Rumi for that. And then Mark Wahlberg has had the toughness, you talk about grit, to stand for religious principles in the Hollywood culture that isn't so receptive to that quite often. So these men have accomplished some real good in their lives. And I would just appeal to them. And in fact, I, I don't think they would ever see this podcast, but just in case one of you did, I appeal to you to reconsider these approaches in the light of the biblical revelation. And let's pray the way God tells us to pray. Thank you for listening to me. I appreciate you joining me on this episode of Revealing the True Light. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shree's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.